Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Today we've got two things we're going to talk about. Uh, First, we're going to uh, talk about McKinley Wright. Uh, We've gone a couple more days through the NBA Combine, and things are going well for Kin. He just wrapped up his first game of the Combine probably a half hour ago or so. Um, So we're going to talk about that game. We're going to talk about some of the testing and uh, what really is going down for Kin so far during the draft combine, which I think, what, there's three more days left after today. Um, and uh, I guess next time we talk about it will be uh, Monday after it's all wrapped up. Also, um, there really isn't too much that's topical right now to talk about. You know, there, there hasn't been any buffs news in the last couple of days, anything like that. Uh, so we're going to have a little bit of fun. Um going to play a game. Let's say that there's a, a five-star, former five-star recruit. He's a, we'll say grad transfer. He's got one year left. He gets to come in, patch a hole for the buffs before he goes on to be, you know, a, a first-round NFL pick, we'll say. What position would you want that guy to be? Uh, I ran through all of the positions, and I ranked them. So that's going to be where we're going to go after the McKinley Wright stuff. And it uh, should be fun. Thursday, almost the end of the week. Also, the 24th, one month until my grandma's birthday, in case uh, anybody out there knows Brenda. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's the plan for today. Might not take too long, but, uh, yeah, we're going to talk real quick about the Colorado XOs, and we'll get into it. So... Colorado XOs, they are a rugby team based here in Glendale, Colorado. Uh, They train at the same place as the U.S. national team, and the goal is to get their athletes who are recent converts to rugby and teach them how to play the sport at a high level and get them into pro rugby, onto the U.S. national team, you know, into the very top of the top. And they've actually, I, I had a chance to talk with Colton Strickler, who he does the DMVR rugby podcast. He writes about rugby on the website. He, uh, uh, what's the other? Oh, he runs the DMVR rugby Twitter account, uh, which you should be checking out all that stuff. But, uh, he, uh, he said that there's, uh, some interest from uh, a buff or two. So I can't tell you who exactly, but that could be something you see in the future. So, Follow along with all that. It's cool stuff. And there might be some bus-related stuff in the future. Who knows? Okay. So, like I said, jumping in with McKinley Wright. 
Last we talked, we talked about the uh, just the physical testing. You know, the first day is just measuring uh, everybody. And he came in a little over 5'11 without shoes. Good mark. 6'5 wingspan. Really good mark. And uh, now we have some more information, though. They've gone through the agility drills. Um, they haven't done the shooting drills yet. It doesn't look like they've done the bench press either. Um, but we have those agility drills to go off of. And he also just played a game. Um, and we can talk a little bit about that too, uh, but let's just, let's just start with some of these numbers. Um, I'll start by saying this overall, the, the testing has gone well for McKinley, McKinley, Wright. Um, I think probably the, the most exciting piece is the, uh, lane agility. So I don't know exactly how that one works. It's something like you start on one side of the lane, you got to go touch the other side of the lane, and then back. And I can't remember if it's like back again after that, but it's basically that. Uh, he took, so there's, I, I tried to count. I'm not the best counter, but it was, there's like 55 or 60 people who went through all of this testing. So a pretty good sample size. Out of those 55 to 60 people who did all of these drills, um, starting with, like we're saying, uh, the lane agility drill, McKinley Wright took fifth. That's really solid. And he was the number one point guard in terms of the, that lane agility quickness. Um, that, like I said, was his best mark. There's other good stuff in there. Uh, the, the shuttle run, uh, he took 18th out of that same pool, uh, third out of point guards. The three-quarter court sprint, he was 14th. He was the number two point guard. The standing vertical, he was 19th, uh, the number two point guard. And the max vertical, which is like where you're allowed to run into it, uh, he was 21st. I didn't count the point guards in front of him, but again, it's got to be right in that same number. So what does this all mean? Basically, Ken has tested the top 25% in everything. We'll see what happens with the bench press, which they aren't listed yet, and with the shooting drills, which are still to come. But I think if you're McKinley right, you have to feel good about all that. In terms of the athletic testing, I mean, imagine you're playing the my GM mode on 2K, and you're trying to figure out who to draft in the second round. And one of the options is a point guard who's a defensive specialist but knows how to protect the ball offensively and distribute it. And he, uh, he's the first point guard in lane agility. He's third in the shuttle, second in the three-quarter court sprint. He's second in the vertical. You look at all those numbers and say, okay, who's this guy? Let's check him out. Now, again, if the shooting doesn't go well, um, that might turn you off. But just when you look at all these numbers on paper, it's really good stuff. Um, Let's see. Let's let's get into this box score real quick, and then we'll move along. Um, so here's here's the first note I want to get to. Um, so Jonathan Gavoni, he runs Draft Express, which like three four years ago was incredible. It was him and I think like Mike Schmitz is his name, and they did prospect breakdowns that were like the the best out there. And everybody was really upset when they got bowed out by ESPN because they figured, oh, they're going to make them do something a little more lame. Turns out that's exactly what happened. Um, but Jonathan Gavoni still known as one of the absolute best when it comes to covering the NBA draft. Probably the absolute best. Um, he made a note of McKinley Wright during the scrimmage today. He said... Colorado's McKinley Wright playing lockdown defense all game, making some good reads, passing out of the pick and roll. 
Good first game for him at the NBA Combine. You'll love to hear it. Um, Knockdown. Well, I guess we should probably just go through all these stats. So let's start with the bad. The bad was he was two of seven from the field. And that's going to be disappointing. Um, but the the bright side, I think, is you look at... So, so this team won the game. And the rest of the starters were two of ten, two of six... 5 of 6, 3 of 8, and then the bench was 7 of 11, 1 of 4, 6 of 10, 3 of 10. So so a pretty cold shooting night. Um, you would like to be the guy who's like the, the exception to that, who kind of carries the team. But despite it being a, a poor shooting night for everybody, uh, still able to pull out the win, and that makes Ken not look quite so bad. Um, outside of that, there's a lot to like. He only took one three-pointer. It was in transition, knocked it down. Um, didn't get to the free throw line, but finished with five rebounds, nine assists to only two turnovers, a couple of fouls, a steal, and five points. He was a plus 11. That's a solid start. That's a really solid start. Um, and I'm not sure how many more games he's going to get. I guess there's probably three more games maybe, but hey, again, that's a, that's a nice start for kin nine assists in 22 minutes next highest in the game was four um again only those two turnovers kin if kin could have just been like three of seven and especially four of seven if you're four of seven all of a sudden you're shooting over 500 on top of all that yeah you're the guy everybody's talking about after that game you get to three of seven then at least it's a little more passable and i didn't see it i saw some of the highlights on the internet but that's that's what you want to do. Pass out a bunch of dimes, play lockdown defense, especially after putting up the testing numbers. You know, it's one thing if you rank right in the middle of the pack and all the testing numbers, nothing really stands out. Then you go into those games saying, I really need to make a splash here. You can kind of let those those numbers do the talking for you and dish out nine assists, play good defense. I I would say that today was another good day for McKinley Wright. And I think that that's, a, that's an easy conclusion to draw. So today was a good day. The agility stuff yesterday, another good day. And so now there have really been three days of this. The one where you get measured, a good day. The one where you get the athletic test, another good day. And Kin is having a good combine so far. Still a few games left. Needs to keep those turnovers low. Uh, can't, can't let the three-point percentage bottom out or anything. But... He has to like what's going on. And, you know, we talked before the combine started saying, where is he in terms of the the big board rankings? I'd guess he's somewhere around 65 to 75. And 60 guys get drafted. How much have these three days moved him up? I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's knocking on the door at this point. Um, again, you, you love to see it. Um, and... We'll keep following along going forward. All right. Uh, before we get into this football stuff, want to take a quick break, talk about a couple of our sponsors. Um, and we're going to start with our good friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, I talk about their beers all the time. It's because they're really good. The seltzers too. Um, let's see. What am I feeling right now? You know, it's the summer. It's always going to be Strawberry Sky. And then after Strawberry Sky, probably like three of the seltzers up next. Um, like strawberry lemonade, like the honeydew regular, 
yeah, those, those, those are the vibes right now. But I do think Strawberry Sky, you really just can't go wrong. It is a really good beer. It's, it's eventually it's going to take over the world. Like, it is going to be everywhere because it's just that good. Like, it's just a nice, simple, light-ish beer, and it just has a tiny strawberry aftertaste, which makes it perfect for the summer. Um, if you want to check that out, any of the other products out, you can go to the beer locator on Breckenridge Brewery's website. It'll tell you exactly where you can buy any one of those products. Uh, seriously, I recommend them. Everybody I work with recommend, recommends them. And yeah, like I guess we are paid to do that, but also it's because they're really good and it's all any of us ever drink. Um, also, want to give a shout out to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, Green Mountain Dental, they used to be a presenting sponsor of this podcast, but they do really good work. Um, we've had some of our listeners switch over, become full-time Green Mountain Dental Group. I don't even, not users, because it's not the internet. Uh, customers, I guess. Customer kind of almost feels weird, too, when it's like a service, like client. I don't know. But but, but there are people who get their teeth cleaned by Green Mountain Dental Group. Um, it's a local family-owned dentistry uh, they're located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood. It's super convenient. They do good work. They're huge Colorado sports fans. I mean, they're DNVR people. That's why they're sponsoring these podcasts. So you know what you're going to get when you go in there. It's good stuff. They do good work. Allie and Lindsay have gone in and had their teeth taken care of. Both of them say that they really appreciate how Green Mountain Dental Group took care of them. They checked in, made sure that they had all the meds they needed, all that kind of stuff. And what more can you ask for? Uh, if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's a great deal. Definitely at least check it out so that you can take advantage of that because that'll almost like pay for the, It's like buying a new toothbrush, I guess. That's where the money goes. Um, so yeah, Green Mountain Dental Group, good stuff. Make sure you let us know if you go. Let them know if you go. Um, yeah. All right. Um, so again, I figured like there is literally nothing going on. Um, I, I what what happened actually is I was reading the Athlon Sports Preview of Colorado, and there was some interesting stuff in there saying like I, honestly there wasn't all that much. The one piece though that I looked at and I thought was kind of interesting was they said Max Ray, Robert Barnes, and Blaine Toll are expected to play roles as uh transfers and again not not like the biggest surprise or anything but uh, i don't know i honestly don't know if that's sourced or not i know phil Steele spends like a lot of time on the phone with coaches i would guess the people at athlon do too when they're making their previews but you know maybe something is keep an eye on and so i thought of that with the transfers let's say there was a, a, a transfer in the transfer portal, somebody who, like I said, he's he's really good. He's going to be first team All Pac-12 at where whatever position he goes to. Uh, he's he's a likely first round draft pick. Um, I don't know why he's choosing to go to Colorado, but he is. And you get to pick his position. He can be any player that you want. Um, what position would you want? And I thought that. Uh, we'd run through the list. And we're going to start at the bottom because that builds suspense. Um, number 10 on the list of positions that you would want that to be, 
running back. You know, and, and the reason is you've got Jarek Broussard, who is literally a first-team All-Pac-12 player already playing that position. It'd just be redundant. Sure, you know, this guy comes in. He's probably better than Alex Fontenot, probably better than Ashad Clayton, and he does boost that rotation a little bit. But compared to the impact that you could have at other positions, yeah, yeah, maybe not so much. Number two. Actually, no, this is number nine because we're going backwards. Uh, number nine, we're going outside linebacker here. Um, this was one that I feel like you could make an argument for a bunch of different places. You know, you could make the case that, like, you have Carson Wells on one side. You add another pass rusher opposite him who is just dominant. You know, again, a first-round pick pass rusher. What does that do to the defense? And it does something really, really great for sure. But again, when you look at the impact that this player could have at other positions, it makes it a little bit tougher to take that because it's kind of a luxury. At the same time, the reason it's below other positions that also it's kind of a luxury is because you have guys you like. You know, you've got Jamar Montgomery and Guy Thomas who are good outside linebackers solid outside linebackers, they can go out there and get the job done. That's good enough. On top of that, you've got Josh Gustav, who was the third piece of that rotation last year, who I think is kind of primed for a breakout year. You know, we've heard a lot of the hype for... I mean, it's been... It was, I guess, I was going to say like a year, and then I realized like fall camp last year started in October, so that's not right. But basically since fall camp last year, there was so much good stuff coming out about him. And even I feel like before that we were hearing about him. And then this spring it just kind of doubled down with, you know, Joey Bosa type of comps in terms of like the type of player, not saying he's Joey Bosa. But, but because you have the combination of depth and the history of proven solid play, and you've got the upside that you do in that room. Yeah, you'd love to have uh, this the, the five-star whatever transfer, but not a priority. Even though it is like a, a high-impact position, and that's why it moved around a lot on my list. Um, number eight, again, these are starting to get tough. I went with tight end. And it was a hard one for me because there's room for two tight ends. And I think that in the perfect Buffs offense this year, you might even want two tight ends because you want to run the ball. You want to use that big offensive line. And this is another one that I, I think you could be flexible with. Some people might say, yeah, if you can go get that guy, push Brady Russell to the number two tight end, let him just be that chess piece while you have you know, Kyle Pitts or I guess Eric Gilbert just transferred um, big tight end who's, you know, but to me, I don't know. Now I can't talk myself into it, honestly. Uh, you've got Brady Russell. He's going to do a good job. You've got a couple pieces behind him, young guys that you can be excited about. I kind of want to put this up higher on the list now. But, but this is where it was. Um, well, maybe circle back. Um, number seven, cornerbacks. And... I think that this might be one that seems a little bit high because of how high I am on the secondary, especially, you know, being in front of tight end, for example. But when you look at this cornerback group, you've got Makai Blackman, who you really like. You've got Christian Gonzalez, who you really like, in part because of the tools and in part because of his actual play that you saw late last season. 
That blend, though, is what makes it a little bit scary because behind him, you've got a couple of guys, you know, Nigel Bethel. We've heard good things about him in camp. The ball always finds him. Um, but what if you did add a cornerback to this group? What if you did add a lockdown number one corner? And then all of a sudden, you've got Makai Blackman taking on number two receivers. Or, or realistically, it's a matchup based thing between him and Christian Gonzalez. Then all of a sudden, I think that the. the identity of this defense changes a little bit you're playing more man coverage you're you're letting your safeties come up in the box more and blitz more um i think that when you look at this defense it is kind of it's a really good defense if i have one more player then that's when you're saying oh my goodness what are we really saying and cornerback's an impactful spot it's somewhere where you're going to get a bunch of guys on the field anyway. You know, outside linebacker, you'd just be pushing Josh Gustav to the bench, which, again, it's an upgrade, but how big of an upgrade compared to making Christian Gonzalez your number three corner who still sees the field, you know? And that's why it took the edge there. Um, in front of that, I have inside linebacker at number six. This is another one. At one point, it was way up high. At one point, it was way down low. Fits in at number six for this reason. I think that when you look at this Buffs defense, if you circled three positions you were most concerned about, the second inside linebacker spot would be one that everybody circles. Just because you don't really know what you're going to get. You know, you don't even know who's going to be playing there. But the fact that you have so many options is why I'm willing to keep that down at number six. That, combined with the fact that I don't know how often you do see two inside linebackers out there this season. I think that you probably get out of that 3-4 more often than you have in years past and include more DBs. Um, like if you had just one more really good lockdown corner. Um, then, of course, there's the Nate Landman factor where, you know, you can kind of afford to... to to not have the most talent at that spot because Nate's going to cover some problems for you. And if what, how, how do you expose an inside linebacker? Who's a weak point you run at him. Well, if Nate Lamb standing right there too, that becomes a lot less appealing. So I, I could see the case for inside linebacker being way up high, but when you've got the, a returning group, of, you know, John Van Deest, uh, the, the young guys we've seen, a little bit of Quinn Perry, Marvin Ham, we haven't seen all that much. Um, and then combined with the transfers you do already have, and that's the really big piece. You've got Robert Barnes, who should be your more mobile option there. And then you've got a Jack Lamb from Notre Dame, who should be a, a, a solid tackler from that spot. And again, is that group of, let's say, three going to blow you away? No, not on paper. But they have the potential to for sure. And again, how important is that position in the grand scheme of this defense? Especially when you hear Chris Wilson say that there isn't a base defense when the base before was 3-4. That's what pushes it down a little bit more. And it pushes it right behind my number five pick, safety. Um... This is one I didn't expect to put this high. Um, but when you look at what Colorado has there, they are kind of light. You know, you've got Isaiah Lewis, who really broke out last year. You've got Mark Perry, who you're really excited about. But 
again, when you talk about the different ways that this defense could look, I think that adding a piece right here could really change things up. You know, whether it is your like free safety type, somebody who's playing the deep middle, uh, just locking everything down, ball hawk, nobody's getting deep. I'd like that. What I'd really like, though, is just a good in-the-box safety. Somebody who, maybe they even play that star position. Um, somebody really, really just physical. Can play the run game, can cover tight ends, can cover running backs out of the backfield, can hopefully do something with slot receivers, too. Um, I think that that sort of chess piece could go a long way in this defense. Um, and on top of that, again, who you're starting five right now in that secondary? Isaiah Lewis, Makai Blackman, Christian Gonzalez. Those three pretty much locked in. Um, and then you probably look at Chris Miller and Mark Perry. From there, off the bench, you're looking at Jalen Stryker, Torin Pittman, Trustin Oliver, Nigel Bethel, Curtis Appleton. You know, there, there is a, a little bit of a step down. The depth in that secondary, you know, it's solid. I'd be really excited to see Nigel Bethel out there playing some corner. It could be upgraded, though. It could be upgraded. Um, and that's why those secondary spots, I think if you just had one more real top-end piece, and again, whether that's at corner, whether it's at safety, I prefer safety a little bit just because of the way they use those corners and because, you know... You have a Chris Miller who has experience playing corner as well, who can shift over there instead of playing the star spot or wherever he's going to be. Um, but yeah, you know, again, Christian Gonzalez, Isaiah Lewis, Makai Blackman, probably your starters. Chris Miller, Mark Perry, you want a little bit. I mean, Mark Perry needs to take a step forward in terms of just who he is as a football player. Chris Miller needs to stay healthy. And if one of those two things don't happen, then all of a sudden you're bringing one of those bench guys in. And, you know, I've almost talked myself into moving the secondary even higher on this list. Um, but number four, I'm going with a left tackle. Um, and I wasn't expecting to, to put offensive line up this high um, because, you know, you look at the strengths of this team, offensive line is definitely one of them. Um You've got four returning starters from a good group last year. You also add Max Ray, um, the big brother of Jake Ray, the transfer from oh, yeah, Ohio State. I think there's a good chance he slides in and takes the other's starting tackle job. But with this team, if you, uh, if you have one more offensive linemen you're just you're just going to become even more dominant and again there is kind of a hole there you're looking for somebody to step up and fill that hole and if you do have somebody who's capable of filling it and you put somebody in front of them anyway well then maybe you bump one of those other four to the bench and put this guy in his place I think that especially when you know the identity team is the identity that this team has you know they're running the ball they're going to have a young inexperienced quarterback Investing in that isn't a bad thing, and I was able to talk myself into putting tackle really high on this list. And, I mean, it really should just be offensive line. I just split everything, offensive line, defensive line. Uh, but what you'd want is the left tackle, most impactful, and somebody who could kind of be a game changer, I think. Number three, wide receiver. 
this is another one I would have thought would have been a lot lower. But then again, you just kind of think of how that would change things. And how that would change things is obviously you'd now have a true number one dominant receiver. Um, you know, and again, what we're talking is the first round pick. You're looking at a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Smith, you know, one of those just truly dominant receivers. That's something that can change an offense. It's something that can absolutely change an offense. And then you think, what does it do to the other players? Well, Dimitri Stanley's still starting in the slot with less attention on him, which I think should be noted. And then that third starting spot, it's going to be kind of a rotation between Levante Chenault and Brendan Rice. You know, I'm excited to see this receiver group this year. There's a lot of talent in this receiver group this year. But I would feel a lot more confident if you were saying, we need Vontae or Brendan to be a starting caliber receiver than saying we need both of those two to be ready to do that next year. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that they can't both do that. But when you're playing the odds, I think that's what leads you to. And again, there's more depth behind him. Uh, Daniel Arias, this could be his breakout. Maurice Bell, Jalen Jackson, um, the younger guys, Montana Lamonius Craig, Curious Carpenter, Keith Miller. Again, you do have kind of a, a almost a backlog of talent right there. But when you look at the very top end, you're, you've got one guy and you've got other guys who you think are going to take that step. But if you could just guarantee that you have one thing, again, just pushes everybody down a spot in the rotation, probably. Well, here's the thing is I think that Brendan Rice, Vontae Chenault at this point in their career, yeah, they should be splitting the third receiver job. Like that is what they are as college receivers. Both of them could absolutely take that step this year, and I kind of think both of them will. But then from there is where things get interesting. Like, Daniel Arias. What what receiver should he be on a Power 5 football team? Is he like a, a good receiver 5? Somebody who scares you when he comes in for a rotation? Maurice Bell, Jalen Jackson. Again, you have this wide range of guys who you want to be that maybe wide receiver 4, probably wide receiver 5-6, and you've probably got six of those guys that fit that definition competing to figure out who's going to be getting the reps that come with that spot. Um, so I do think that kind of pushing everybody back down there would be a bit of a log jam, but it would just change the offense so much and really open things up. Um, number two, again, one that I didn't expect. I went defensive line because you look at this group right now, Jalen Sami, Terrence Lang, Two starters. What happens if you add one just dominant defensive lineman in there? And I decided to go this route instead of the outside linebacker route. And we've talked about the outside linebacker situation enough. But if you do add just that truly dominant guy in the middle, that opens things up for Terrence Lang. That really opens things up for Carson Wells. And again, when you're talking about the identity of this football team, it starts in the trenches. Build in the trenches. Um, I will say, you know, Blaine Toll, what is he going to provide this year? Total wild card. You know, you look at the other guys like Justin Jackson, Janaz Jordan, Jeremiah Doss. You're excited to see him. You're happy having him in the rotation but not starting. That's probably where they belong. You know, Naeem Rodman, sure. But if you bump all those guys just down a spot and throw in one big-time talent, somebody who commands double teams in between, that DeMarvin Leal, who 
we'll see when Colorado plays Texas A&M. It would, it would just change some things. It would just change some things. It would open things up for Nate Landman, too, even. Um, and, again, when you look at that, I do think maybe I should put tight end up higher just because going to tight ends is so enticing with this personnel, especially if the second is Brady Russell. Um, but outside of that, I don't know. It's It was kind of interesting to think through this. And then, number one, what's the position we haven't talked about? It's quarterback. Um, you know, I'm excited about Brendan Lewis. I'm excited about JT Shrout. I think that there's a good chance that one of them turns out to be a really good quarterback. I think there's a chance both of them do. But it's the most important position in the game. If you have the option to take, you know, a first-round pick quarterback for a season, you have to do it. You have to do it. It changes your team more than upgrading any other position does. I think the more interesting question is, like, what does it take for that not to be worth it? You know, if you have the third best quarterback in the Pac-12, would you rather swap him for the best quarterback in the Pac-12 or add the best pass rusher in the Pac-12? You know, that conversation conversation's interesting. When you have guys who are unproven, as excited as I am about them, if you can upgrade, you have to upgrade. And obviously there isn't a five-star quarterback waiting in the portal for the bus to just call and say he's their choice. But if there was, I do think that's the route you have to go. So again, we'll run through these real quick. One quarterback, two defensive line, which again is a weird one because it creates a little bit of a log jam, but just the impact that that player could have is so big. Um, wide receiver, left tackle, a safety, inside linebacker, um, corner, outside linebacker, tight end, running back. Did I get that right? No, it was outside linebacker, cornerback, tight end. But the yeah, point is, there's our list. Um, and yeah, that's going to do it for today. I will uh, see you guys tomorrow.